Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this the east side Johnny Big Redemption life. No, I'm talking about... show we're a memphis grizzlies podcast brought to you by the barn burner podcast network you can find us on itunes spotify all those fun places and you can also find a lot of our work on d-barnburner.com covering a lot of grizzlies tigers action and tons of college hoops uh, from around the country got a good podcast theater and college hoops there they got tons of episodes dropping content about every other day uh, i'm zach Today with me, I got Mason. How are you? I'll, I'll, last week, I failed to uh, to introduce you properly and to welcome you aboard. So, how oh, are you, Mason? Man, I'm good. Uh, you know, just we got to see a Titans W earlier today. We gave them some grief last week. So, want to uh, give the praise where it's due. Shout out to the Titans for the big win over the Chiefs. Um, also, want to say free James Wiseman. Uh, we won't get into yeah. that on the Grizzly show, but maybe a uh, theater and college hoops will dive into it. Maybe we'll do a Tigers podcast too, since their season's rolling. Um, and then finally, just want to say Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans. Uh, this pod is coming to you uh, very late Sunday night, early Monday morning. We're also live, so uh, any of the veterans watching, we appreciate your service. And uh, let's dive into this week that was for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, well, it was it was something. That's for sure. We won a game. We did win a game and scored a bajillion points. So this week had the Rockets early in the week. Uh, Jaron didn't play in that one. Lost that one. The, yeah. They fought they, hard, though. We we were in it for three quarters. But, I mean, the Rockets also, like, played zero defense. Like, they, they could care less if if you score 120. But they <clears throat> they can score 125. 
the the biggest thing about that game was James Harden hitting Jay Crowder in the nuts and Jay getting called for a oh, foul yeah. and then subsequently <laughs> getting a technical foul for yelling at the ref for getting that call wrong. Then they reversed the initial foul call, but they can't reverse the technical that got him ejected from the game, which was a quick <laughs> leash, by the way. I know you're a former official and a referee, so I, I feel like you probably didn't appreciate that quick trigger from the ref. Yeah, especially not for something like that. Compared to how some people act in the in the league, it seems like seemed pretty excessive. I thought. Yeah, he must have just said the magic word is the only mm. thing that really makes sense. He started making fun of the ref's mom or something, <laughs> or he called Harden a pee. Could be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot from that game. James Harden, basically, he's a wizard. That shot he hit after that whole incident, the one he hit over Dylan Brooks when he like flung his arms and legs out trying to draw a foul, but still made the shot somehow. It was like the most awkward three-pointer I'd, I'd seen in a while, but he's something special, man. Yeah, I'm actually uh, right now reading uh, Sam Anderson's book called Boomtown. <clears throat> I heard about it on Zach Lowe's podcast, and it's about uh, Oklahoma City kind of just – it kind of parallels how the city itself was formed and then how the basketball team got there and kind of the – the ebbs and flows and the dramas and the saga of that whole city. And uh, so obviously James Harden's a big part of that. I, I tied that in. I've just been wanting to plug that I'm reading. That book. <laughs> you know, I got to talk about what I'm reading. Yeah, I was wondering What's where been, that was going. <laughs> it's been really interesting so far. Uh, okay. It's a, it's, it's a longer book, but I'm, I've enjoyed it. It's a, Oklahoma city seems like a pretty interesting place. Uh, kind of a, some parallels to Memphis as far as the, like the mentality of the people. Obviously, demographics and a lot of other things are different, but uh, some of that small market, mid-major type city, um, kind of buy your bootstrap type deal, that think they kind of feel the same way that we do. Yeah, well, one, that is the this NBA city that has a haunted hotel, so that's something unique to OKC. <laughs> and then two, uh, they are kind of viewed in a negative light because before the Thunder, the first thing I thought uh, I would think of when someone mentioned Oklahoma City was the bombings from when we were you yeah. know, younger. So I can see some parallels in different lights. Uh, but you got anything else on the, the Rockets or Ingris? No. How do, oh, James Harden. I'm like, how the hell did we just get the yeah, OKC from the Rockets? <laughs> uh, so the next game was on Wednesday night, home game. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, fresh off a boxing match with Joel Embiid and getting choked out by Ben Simmons, came into town and uh, took a L. The Timberwolves, I didn't think it would be possible for a team to look worse defensively than the Rockets, but the Timberwolves proved me wrong. <laughs> like They, they <laughs> oh, let yeah. us do whatever we wanted to do. We scored 137 points, and as we documented on the last show and we'll probably continue to document throughout the season, this isn't a high-powered offense. <laughs> like it's no. what we have, uh, it, but we can score in the paint. I think we had like sixty-six points in the paint that game, or something like that. I want to say. Yeah, it was close to a record, I believe, for the franchise. Yeah, so that that was definitely a fun game. Always fun to get a win at home, led by John ja Morant. Yeah, that on top of shooting fifty-two percent from three. Granted, only twenty-three attempts. So surprising that. Uh, pretty low attempts because we're averaging around 30, but only 23, but made 12 of them. So very efficient between 
Crowder and Dylan, uh, between those two, they made nine out of 13. I mean, and Dylan just got into one of those modes where he oh, was yeah. flamethrowing again. Uh, we've given Dylan a little grief over time, but this week I thought he was really impressive and is kind of settling into his role more than he was early in the season when he was kind of pressing. Uh, so that's what we had to all ask for, and Dylan is doing it. Much credit to him because that's how he's going to be a role player in the NBA for several years. Yeah, and and even last night against the Mavericks, he didn't. The numbers wouldn't show that he had a good game, but he really was taking good shots. He was taking the shots that he should take, and he wasn't forcing them. He just wasn't hitting them. But you're going to have that in a streaky shooter, so I, I can't be upset about that. He wasn't doing like. Kyle Anderson, one-legged shots in the paint type of thing. He was, you know, hit, just missing his open threes, but he'll hit them most of the time. Right. Uh, what surprised me about that game was we brought Andrew Wiggins back to life somehow, and he dropped oh, right. 30 on us. <laughs> He's having a sneaky good year. He's averaging almost 25 points a game on 46% shooting. So he's a... Uh, That's pretty good. I mean, it's about time. I, I just wonder if it's too late for that franchise. I mean, him and Carl Anthony Towns are still young, but just in the back of my mind, it's like, man, I hope in five years we don't look up and we're Minnesota, uh, who's oh, kind of who's gone nowhere, you know? That that's like the purgatory franchise. They're not good enough to win playoff series, but they're not bad enough to retool. Yeah, but, and the only playoff series they or only time they made the playoffs was with Jimmy Butler, right? believe so yeah and he had him like as a top four seed for most of the year and after watching them play on wednesday night i mean with their defense they're definitely not gonna make the playoffs this year like they're they're just stuck in the same same place they've been for the past couple of seasons it seems like to me so uh, the coach in another young coach ryan saunders um they really rallied around him last year but this year not off to a great start although Cat is has been playing tremendous, and you just mentioned Wiggins' numbers, so maybe they'll end up getting some wins. But and they they have point guard issues. Like who was even playing point guard for them? Because Jeff Teague's hurt, I think. Um, I can't even remember. Culver who was, was uh, getting some minutes. I think Culver started there. Yeah, we took Tyus Jones off their hands, so you know, right, and struggling there a little bit. Right, so. Then uh, we come, we went from that win Friday. We traveled down to Orlando, which I can't. It seems like we lose every time we go to Orlando. Dude, what the heck? Like this one wasn't as weird of a game as it normally seems. Like usually it's like the day after Christmas or something. We're mm-hmm. in Orlando, and it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna get beat by twenty. But uh, we went down there and just sucked it up. I mean, it was really Jaws' first. I guess what we would classify a bad game. I mean, it is what it is. He shot three of 13 from the field. Uh, He had six turnovers. He did have seven assists. That was the lone bright spot. But, I mean, we got whooped as 118 to 86. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about how we scored eight points in the fourth quarter. (laughs) And it was five for the longest. (laughs) Like, Uh, like I think we hit a three in, like, the last minute or something. You could have sent the rendezvous ribs out there and they could have scored (laughs) eight points. Yeah, that one was ugly, but that's one of those ones we just kind of got to forget about. I mean, JV had 13 and 6, but it was nothing nothing pretty to take home from that one. Not a single thing, no. Brandon Clark 13 points on 5 of 12 shooting. That's 
I'm just I'm just searching for things at this point. But yeah, <laughs> right. and the Magic were all, had only had two wins. Also, it was just pretty pretty poor showing. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and then last night, Saturday night, we followed that loss to the Magic up with another pretty lopsided loss to Dallas. Uh, that one was one thirty eight to one twenty two. And I think Luca had like he almost had a triple double in three quarters. Is that correct? Yeah, twenty four points, fourteen rebounds, eight assists. Yeah, he the game felt closer than the final score would tell you, but also like you said, Luca didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Porzingis didn't play. He's being load manager resting, uh, and also Jaw sat out that game, so we didn't get the the full complement of stars in this one, but yeah, Brandon Mavericks Clark didn't too. really need it. <laughs> Brandon Clark set out too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and we'll get into his and Jaws kind of injuries here in a second, but, uh, Jaron Jackson came to life. He had 23 points. I, I, I did. I only saw the first quarter of the game, which it started off a track meet and everyone was making threes. Jay Crowder was knocking them down. Dylan got his feet set. And, and knocked one down from the wing. Uh, and then Seth Curry on the other end was on fire to begin the game. Um, so how did how did Jaron get his uh, offensive game going there in the second half? Uh, he had a couple of a couple of post up moves, a couple of drives. I think the the defining play for him was um, trying to think it was Bobin. Bobin was guarding him a lot, so that's kind of a weird matchup. Um, with Jaron playing the five whenever JV was out. Uh, there was one point where uh, Jaron got the ball and over in the corner for three. Bobin comes out to close him out, and Jaron does – he does a fake like he's going to drive in and does a step back and hit a three. And that that was like one of those moments where Jaron's body language just totally changed. That was a very smooth move. Not a great ch- chance that you're going to shoot over the 7-10 guy with the crazy goofy long arms, but he, he created the space, made a solid shot. Uh, and that really kind of altered his body language there, which is really big for him. I think, especially with the foul trouble, you can tell he just out whenever he does that. He's just mentally checked out. Yeah. I mean, keeping him engaged and I, I, we attribute it all to the foul scenario, which I think is the biggest factor in his mood. But I also wonder if he's like tired of not getting the ball. Um, which yeah. kind of seemed to get better as the week progressed. It seems like we're making more of an effort to get him the ball on the block, get him the ball in positions to score. But, you know, you always hear about the big men who uh, maybe don't play as hard on defense when they're not getting the ball. Well, maybe I think it's also affecting his body language and just his overall mental state because uh, he knows he's open and can score because he proved it last year. He's proved it this year when we've given him the ball on the block. Uh, and we talked about, in the last episode, how we weren't using them in, in pick and rolls, um, which, you know, NBA offenses are usually pretty simple. You put your best two players in the pick and roll and, and you score play, points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what about my boy De'Anthony Milton? I know he got some oh, extended run yeah. that game. How'd he look? He, so I went to the game with Sam. Um, so we're sitting there and we were really impressed with Milton. He had a lot of, I don't know if it was an optical illusion or what, but he gave off a lot of Avery Bradley vibes. 
I don't, the no number is he's wearing the same number that Bradley was wearing here, so that probably didn't help. No, he's not wearing any like armbands or anything on his legs. They're kind of the same size and build, um, but that's kind of what I felt like we were getting, like a, a little Avery Bradley. His his stroke looks really good, like his yeah. shot is real smooth, really pesky on defense. Seems to be pretty athletic, uh, like a good first step. So I was. I was really excited about that. That was uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the few bright spots I thought in the game last night. Yeah, so Melton's stat line was 11 points, three rebounds, three assists to go along with two steals. I think he was a one of four from three, but it's good to hear that his stroke looked it didn't look awkward, didn't look ugly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, where his shots just kind of come and catch and shoot, like in the flow of the offense. Yeah, even though and- he was missing. Yeah, and a couple of his passes were really good. He found some seams that you wouldn't expect everyone to find. Uh, and he, he did all that in about 20 minutes of playing time. So Grayson Allen, I think he's still going to be out for a little bit with his injury. Um, if I don't know if we're going to load manage Ja that much in the future. But, you know, hopefully – I definitely see him stepping up and getting some run. Uh, even though our boy, Marco – had a interesting game for him offensively. He went five for nine from the field, and so he totaled fourteen points. Kind of, that was definitely his best game by far. Yeah, and it it seems like for Marco, it's a lot. It's similar to Dylan Brooks. It's when he doesn't try to do too much and go mm. beyond his skill set. Like he's, you don't notice him being bad. Like he's serviceable yeah. out there, but it's when he's trying to take the guys one on one. He like catches the ball and he gets that look in his eye like he might as well wipe both of his shoes off and like you know get the dust off because he's going to try to take you one-on-one but even with all of these guys they're going to get their opportunities to play you know we're Mm -hmm. not even 10 games into the season so DeAnthony Milton is going to get his time Grayson will have his chance when he comes back and then uh our boy down in South Haven Mm, Josh Jackson I believe he's going to get an opportunity sooner rather than later. Uh, I don't know the exact stats, but he's averaging something like 19 points a game, uh, like eight boards, I want to say, and some assists. It's a lot, a lot of highlights and stuff are circulating on Twitter, that's for sure. Which, I mean, is what you expect of someone you, of yeah. his caliber when he's in the G League. Yeah. So It'd be embarrassing if that wasn't what he was doing down there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how long this agreement lasts for him to stay down there. Because, I mean, ultimately, the Grizzlies don't need to win games this year. Like, it's hard for us because we're so passionate about the team uh, when we're watching these games not to just get frustrated and mad when we're losing, getting our brains beat in uh, by the magic, you know. (laughs) But we got to remember the bigger picture, and it's really – not in the best interest for us to win a bunch of games this year. Yes, we want the guys to learn how to compete. We want them to get better and grow as the season goes on. But the reality of our pick situation is we keep our 2020 this year if it's one through six. Um, or if not, we owe it to Boston. And we know with the revamped lottery odds, the chances of you staying in the top four, you, you have to be one of the worst teams in the league. So just something to remember, Grizz fans, like, as much as we want to win uh, as a fan base, we have to also take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, don't do yourself or do yourself a favor and don't look up essentially any stat 
as a team because <laughs> Memphis is like 27 to 30 in anything pretty much. Yeah, just about everything. Yeah, you want to like you you want to see, hey, if you know, we work to improve this area, something might change. Nah, it's all pretty bad at this point. Yeah, so speaking of a 27 and the bigger picture, let's just jump into a topic that's kind of going around the NBA right now and hit home with us on Saturday night is the load management. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts just in general on load management? And then we'll get into jaw specifically. So in general, I think that it kind of, as a fan, from my perspective in Memphis, it sucks because we're always going to be that, that place that people decide to take the night off because it's not, it's not a big game. It's not going to be on television. You know, we got, I think the Clippers and Lakers are both coming here on the second night, so they're back-to-back. So you can pretty much bank on, out of the four superstars on those teams, I'd be surprised if you see one. Two at the very most, maybe one from each team, depending. You know, they might play a half or something. And that, that's been that way. Remember when Kyrie and LeBron in Cleveland and Kevin Love didn't even get on the plane to come down here. DeAndre Liggins was their starting point <laughs> guard in that game. They didn't even like pay us the courtesy of showing up in Memphis. But in on the business side of things, like I get it. It makes sense. I uh Hollinger wrote an article on the Athletic. I don't know if you saw that one. I have not. Where he talks about um load management and how people compare it the NBA today and the players today to in the past. So he his argument is that the game is different, obviously. The pace is much faster now, so that's that many more reps up and down the court that people's knees are bending, their ankles, they're jumping. Uh, and that that physicality from kind of the waist down, or not necessarily physicality, like that non-contact, uh, just that movement, repetitive movements of the running and jumping, that is a lot more intense than it was overall. It's not necessarily the upper body, like elbowing you in the face, broken nose type stuff that, you know, still happens, happened back then. That's not what we're trying to hedge against with load management. It's all the like knees and ankles, shins, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So essentially your body mileage is just greater than it's ever been because the game is moving quicker than it ever has. Athletes are faster than they've ever been. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, me, when I was working for the Grizzlies, it would irk me when the stars wouldn't play. Mm-hmm. But I think I've always been a player's guy. So I've kind of just kind of understood it. Been like, well, yeah, I, I would take this game off too. Um, and then as just a fan of the game, I would rather see a wonderful seven game series in the playoffs with all the stars healthy. Um, and you know, I'm not, I don't know the science behind it, but people smarter than me and more well-versed in all that stuff seem to think that load management really does work. We saw what Kawhi did last year and with those results, I think it's kind of hard to argue against it. Um, because we do know that he was, Suffering from a quad injury. He's got a knee injury that's been lingering since San Antonio. Um, so to see what he was able to do in the postseason because of that load management, it's really hard to make an argument against it. Yeah. As as for Ja, um, some people were saying 
you should rest him on away games instead of home games because you're you're trying to reinvigorate the fan base. You got this young core, you want to sell tickets. But at the same time, when we get mad about LeBron and them, they're arresting away games, and we're getting mad at that. So I think we're just selfish, and we want to see all the good players. It's true. <laughs> I, I'm kind of was you know thinking about this earlier with season tickets. So you know you got your markets that are all sold out on season tickets no matter what, and I think of maybe Memphis. A lot of people, especially back in the day when we were perpetually terrible, not making playoffs. You know, kind of in that phase that we might be in now, but we're trying to work out of. Uh, people, a lot of people, I assume, got season tickets to see the other teams. Right. So this load management is really going to, for those maybe more casual fans, not diehard fans of the team, it's going to be less of an incentive for them to go out and get season tickets. Um, but I don't know like what that ratio is to the people that, are going to have them anyway. Like I, I want to go to the games anyway because there's always someone on every single team that's interesting to watch. Right. And then, right. It, and then it's truly about your team. That that's really at the heart of it. That's what you should care about the most. I understand that. You know, there are those people. You could be a transplant and like literally not care about the Grizzlies, but just get tickets so that you can be around the NBA and see all the other superstars come in that would be pretty discouraging and I'd be like, yeah, probably not worth it. But if you're like an actual fan of the team, I think you would still go through with that purchase. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, to the larger point, Ja is already our best player. I'd say so far this season, at least. And your best player usually helps you win games. And if the goal is to not win games, we don't know what the actual goal is of the front office. We know the coaching staff is coaching to win. Um, but we don't really know what the organizational philosophy is. We know they want to get better, which is what we all want, but we don't know if they really want to keep that pick this year or not. I I would assume so. Um, But I think, did you have some numbers on Jaws minutes this year? Yeah, let me pull those up real quick. Because I think I saw... Yeah, you had that he's 10th in total minutes mm-hmm. for rookies. Um, and then I broke it down to minutes per game, and he's 8th among rookies this season, which is not, you know, he's the number two pick, so you might expect more. But the guards he's behind, he's 4th when it comes to guards. He's behind Darius Garland, who's 3rd, which is kind of surprising to me because Garland is coming off a knee injury last year. Yeah. But he, he did hurt it so early in the season, he probably had the full – recovery timetable so he should be okay um and then the other two are the miami heat guards kendrick nunn and tyler harrow hero how do you say his name i've heard hero more than harrow so hero Let, let's pause a moment on this, these jaw minutes we just learned that jaw is eighth uh in the rookie minutes per game and he's fourth in the guards but we brought up miami in miami <laughs> well on the plane from miami Dion waiters who is he a knucklehead in NBA circles? Is he considered a knucklehead? I think so. Maybe he, a I mean, he's kind of like a like a very niche player. Also, like Dion Waiters Island. That's a very common term of, of like uh, in the the niche basketball world. I think. Yeah, he, he's a you microwave to, like, type player. Yep. Like 
Yeah, he, he's someone I would normally be a stand of, and uh, for for whatever reason, I'm not on Waiters Island at the moment. <laughs> I'm not saying I wasn't his rookie year, but <laughs> uh, so, anyways, on the team plane, Deion Waiters gets too fucking high off of an edible that apparently one of his teammates gave him, has a panic attack, and now he's suspended ten games by his team for conduct detrimental to the team. Well, I think almost the funniest part of that is that. That event was a newsworthy cycle that Woj <laughs> tweeted yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> that, that, yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> like, yo, Dion got too high, man. You yeah. got to tweak this. <laughs> <laughs> was Woj high, too? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Maybe Woj did it. <laughs> so, Zach, I ask you, which teammate gave Dion Waiters the edible? So I'm going to go with Myers Leonard. I think he probably <laughs> recently had a trip up to the Pacific Northwest to visit his old teammates. And um, what what country is he from? That would play better into the story, I think. Myers Leonard? Yeah. Is he American? Or? Yeah, he's from America. Yeah. His name is Myers Leonard. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he's like German or something. I don't, I don't know. think so. Um, yeah, so I think he got some from the P&W, brought it back, let Dion take a taste, and uh, – Got him suspended without pay for 10 games. Uh, Myers Leonard is from Woodbridge, Virginia. That's ah, about <laughs> the most American place ever. Dead gummit. <laughs> well, he, well, he looks like the guy in uh, the Rocky movie. He looks like the Russian guy. <laughs> he's yeah, built like uh, him, too. Yeah, he, I mean, he's built like that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was thinking maybe... Jimmy Butler did it as a mm. test to see uh, how much of a man Deion Waiters was. <laughs> like you can't even eat this. You can't even eat five edibles, man. Hell, you can't be on my team. But I think I'm gonna go with our old friend James Johnson. Mm. He, he seems like a trickster who might have a few edibles on him. You know, martial arts. He's probably all into the. He's managing his pain, probably. Yeah, you be in tune with your body and that type of stuff. He seems like a guy who who could, you know. Well, first of all, he seems like he could smoke a lot of blunts in a row. Uh, but but alternatively, he probably could have some edibles on the plane, you know, and chill out, get some sleep. So I'm going to go with James Johnson, giving Deion Waiters the edible. That's a good one, too. <laughs> what do we got next? Oh, back to Ja. Ja. Um, so eighth in rookies in minutes per game, fourth in guards. And then I was looking at rookies the last five years, rookie guards, um, and their minutes per game. And number one is Lonzo Ball. His rookie year, he averaged 34.2 minutes per game, which was, I don't know why I found that so shocking, but I did not expect him to be up there. Number two was Donovan Mitchell, 33.4 minutes per game. Uh, Colin Sexton had 31.8 minutes per game. That was fourth. Trey Young was fifth. He had over 30 minutes per game. Ja comes in at 19th currently. Um, my hope is that as the season progresses, when we're in tight games, Ja will continue to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, maybe that he'll hit 35 minutes here and there, but then in these games when we're getting blown out, which is going to happen a lot this year, maybe that's when coach Jenkins just pulls the reins back and he hits like the 25 minutes per game or even less, you know, whatever is necessary. Um, whatever the medical staff thinks is necessary to keep him healthy. But I do think we're going to see him get some extended run as the season progresses. Yeah. And I, 
I want to not be okay with it and get upset about it, but honestly, I think that it probably makes a lot of sense because this is a guy you're hoping to have for 10-plus years, and skill-wise, is sitting him out you know, five or ten games going to hurt his skill over the course of the next ten years? Especially when you have... You know, hopeful for playoff runs where that's a whole you get no matter or depending how far you advance in that, that could be a whole nother season that you have to be prepared for. So really, I I think it might be a pretty smart approach to take from the get go. It's not really something that I don't think we've done with anyone else right right out the gate. I guess we shut Jaron down pretty, you know, with a a bruise. I don't know how serious it was or wasn't, but. Uh, Seems to make sense to me. Yeah, and with Ja, I I, I keep forgetting that he's coming off of, you know, yeah. no matter how small it was, that knee surgery in the summer. Um, so we do want to keep him healthy throughout the course of the year. And who knows if Jaron's injury could have been helped by his load being managed last year or not. But we have seen the negative effects coming into this season of – him missing all those games to end his rookie year and how it kind of set his development back, which is something we definitely don't want to see for Ja. And I think for Ja, he's just been so damn good from the jump already that we're just wanting more and more and we're expecting him to be, be, you know, Dame Lillard and play those type of minutes. And we just got to, as a fan base, we just got to pull the reins in and just remember that we're here for the long term. Um, but I did see a lot of negativity on Twitter last night about jaw resting. Like as soon as the news was announced, I was going through and checking people's mentions and there was a lot of, Oh, I was going to buy tickets. I'm glad you released this. Uh, why, why are they load managing him and all this stuff? Yeah. So there is some negativity, but the Grizzlies knew that there would be that type of backlash backlash when they announced it, when they made the decision. So that's just something they're going to, deal with, take that on the chin, and do what they think is best for Josh's future. Yeah, I mean, the ire of a few dozen fans who didn't buy the tickets, that is not offset the value of that guy's legs. Yeah, I mean, they're not season ticket holders anyway, you know. (laughs) And, I mean, those Mavs tickets couldn't have been super expensive. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. What we got up next? Uh, kind of speaking with load management. So, uh, let's see, I did a little digging and out of the, all the 15 guys who were all NBA last year, what do you think the average number of games played was? Cause you got guys on that list like, uh, Kawhi, obviously, uh, Embiid, a couple other guys who, you know, have had recurring injuries that are they're pretty precautious with their playing time. What do you think the total number of like the, the average number of games played for that uh for all the all NBA teams was? Whew. So those fifteen players, um there's eighty two games in the season. I wonder how many played all eighty two. That uh, that's a also a good question. I'm gonna I have that. I'm going to say about 73, 73 games. Dang. Did you look at the notes? No, I did not. Oh, yeah, Excellent. 72 and a half. <laughs> that's, a, that's right on. 
Dang. Okay. So the the low being LeBron, who legit got hurt, and so that that's kind of like an outlier. And then Kimba is actually the only one that played all eighty two games. Wow. So those are kind of the two outliers. You got uh, LeBron's the only one that played in the fifties. Kyrie, Curry, Kawhi, and Embiid all played in the sixties. And then you have Harden, Giannis, Cat, Durant, Westbrook. Blake Griffin, Paul George, all played in the 70s. And then Jokic, Lillard, Kemba in the 80s. Damn. I think so, I, the most shocking to me is Blake Griffin playing more than like Steph right? and Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was really – I had to double-check that one. I was like, well, how did he play 75 games? Because he's already missed he's, – he's playing tomorrow for the first time, so that's, what, 9, 10 games he's missed this year. Yeah. So he's already missed more – this year than he did all of last year. Wow. And then from those rookie numbers I was talking about earlier, Colin Sexton was the only one I saw that played all 82 games. Mm. Uh, so we know that's out of the question for our rookies this year. Right. Um, as they both set out. So it's going to be interesting to see how many games Ja plays. I, I'm thinking around 70, 72, if all goes well. I think that's a fair number. Yeah, and that's almost 90% of the game. So still a pretty hefty sample size overall. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we'll take into account that he's going to be off all summer. I mean, we ain't making yeah. the playoffs, you know. <laughs> Maybe some USA basketball training camps, stuff like that. That'd be cool. Uh, another, Some other interesting notes. So of those rookie guards from the past five years, uh, currently Ja is number four in assist per game out of all the guards that were drafted the last wow. five years. And uh, he's third in field goal percentage, which he's not really, you know, I didn't be his size and not being a great shooter. I didn't expect that, but that's promising. I mean, guy knows how to score. He can get buckets. His outside shooting's not been too terrible this year either. I don't think so far. I think it's better than we were projecting at least. Definitely for a rookie. My kind of scale is, that shit ain't too broke. <laughs> like, 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 so it, it, it's got a chance to continue to get better. And I mean, he's get, he's gaining more confidence in it too. Like as when they slip under a screen early in the game, like he's not afraid to let it fly. Yeah. Speaking of letting it fly. So we're going to try something this week called stud and dud. So we'll each go and pick uh, a player who we thought excelled this week. And then someone who struggled this week. So I had four games late this week. Next week, there's only two, I believe, two or three. So a um, little less sample size. But this week, I was really impressed with Jay Crowder. He averaged 13 points, four rebounds, shot 44% from three with over six attempts per game. Uh, his week was kind of split in two pairs. He had eight points against the Rockets in Orlando and then 18 points against the Wolves and the Mavericks. Uh, but really, he's been – his usage rate is one of the highest on the teams, I believe, right behind Morantz. Uh, he, we talked a little bit about it last week, about him just literally letting it fly, shooting. He shot well against Dallas. Um, I, I, I was talking to Sam about it yesterday, and we were like, man, what if we had – him back in the day instead of Jeff Green. Like, he would have been a really good player on those Grizzlies teams. I think he really could have helped fill that role out. It's kind of a bummer if you could only go back and make that happen. 
Right. And I mean, he, he would have been a completely different player than we're seeing this year. Uh, not that he wouldn't still be shooting threes. He just wouldn't be jacking them at this clip right. that yeah. he is. Oh, he uh, jacking them for sure. Yeah. He's just hitting them right now. The only time I get mad is when someone is on the, in, in the post and he, mm-hmm. uh, he like takes a step back, but yeah, a good week. That's, that's a good pick. Uh, my stud of the week, I'm gonna go with Brandon Clark. I think he was a plus 8.3 in the, in the three games he played this year, which is obviously the best on the team because we got blown out a couple times. Um, and just every time he gets on the court, he continues to impress. And it's not that he does anything spectacular, although he can. It's just the little things, man. And, like, that floater is, oh. like, Mike Conley-esque. <laughs> not in Except the he goes, like, just straight up and down. Mike's, you know, got the running start from the top right. of the key. Brandon just seems to be standing there, jumps up, and just one hand drops it in. Yeah, but like that shot is becoming a thing. You know, you got the Mike Conley floater, you got the Z bound, you got the Gasol shot from the free throw line, and that mm-hmm. Brandon Clark. It is so weird. To, I'm still not understanding how the bigger defenders don't block it, but he's able to get it off. And I mean, he can handle the ball. His defense has been good. So, set of the week, Brandon Clark. Uh, my backup option would have been John Morant. Like so, the rooks, the rooks are leading us. Oh, for sure. What about your dud of the week? For my dud, even though he had a good game yesterday. Oh, uh, don't do my boy Marco like this. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I got Marco still. He, <laughs> he had 21 minutes, uh, an average seven points this week. Very inflated by yesterday. Uh, that was his first game in double figures this whole season. Uh, for the season, he's in the bottom third in the league in points per 100 shot attempts per cleaning the glass. And his that? His def- <laughs> yeah, his defensive rating last week was 118. So he really, he, he is struggling on the defensive end. Um, taking a lot of bad shots, except yesterday. The Mavs game was definitely, by far and away, his, his most impressive outing. Uh, maybe he was getting a v- the European vibe with Luca being there and KP over there too. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but uh, who, who's your dud for the week? Man, there's so many to choose from. Um, I'm going to go Solomon Hill. He After the Brooklyn win, we kind of thought he was going to emerge into his bigger role. And, I mean, he has continued mm-hmm. to play. I think he averaged about 14, 15 minutes this week. Um, but only five points and two rebounds. Largely uh, unheard of while he's on the court. Uh, not making a lot of mistakes, but just not really bringing, any, bringing a lot to the table either. Right. Um, which I mean, it's Solomon Hill, so I don't really I feel bad giving him that award because he is what he is. But as you told me last week, when I was getting excited about him, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm I was gonna go Jaron, but I'm working on this like mental uh, apathy to reach Jaron while he's in this good place, and I don't want to stop it. You know, he's had like a productive game, yeah. or two, and he's kind of on a roll. But he was a minus eighteen last last week. Uh, in the four games, that was a team worse. So, and he only played what he played eleven minutes in one of the games. Jenkins right. just sat him. Yeah, so I, I mean, I don't remember it, which game that was, but he he really saved himself with the game last night from being being Mason's dud of the week, which I know he was probably thinking about in the back <laughs> of his mind uh, while he was like getting those twenty three points. But uh, just hope to see him continue to get out of that funk, man. Cause he's got all the, he's got all the tools. 
Um, we talked about Jaron and Fowles. Uh, a quick note I just happened to stumble across today is that Dylan Brooks actually leads the NBA in fouls with 41. Wow. Through nine games. That was before the Sunday evening slate, so that's probably different. But uh, Jaron was third with uh, 33, I believe. So mm-hmm. D- even though Dylan, Dylan was managing – I think he's just spreading his out more. Jaron just gets them all in bunches, takes himself out. Dylan doesn't care. He just keeps playing the same way he's always yeah. plays. Yeah, which is, I mean, he's been matched up against, you know, he's yeah. we kind of use him as our best defender, which is probably not what he's going to be on down the line. You know, he's a, 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 a – here, let me make this. Who on our team – Okay. Do you think is the worst in pick and roll defense when guarding the ball handler? Now they have to have at least uh, ten attempts at this. So our team playing defense guarding the ball handler who is executing a pick and roll. Who do you think is the worst? And by worst, I mean give up um, the most points per possession. Mm, I'm gonna probably jaw. You are correct. Yes. Well, no, Ja, ja is bad, uh, <laughs> but he is not the worst on our team. The worst on our team is Jay Crowder, huh. fo- followed closely by Dylan, and then Grayson Allen. Ja is a little bit better than them. Ja's in the 22nd percentile. They're like in the 3rd, okay. 6th, and 10th or something oh, like that. Um, and now Ja, I'm glad you brought him up because he is giving up one point per play that he's in the pick and roll and opponents are scoring 49% of the time when they Ooh. put him in the pick and roll. So, so he could get, he's getting barbecued chicken there too. But as you mentioned, if you look at our team stats, I mean, our defense is atrocious. Uh, we're 26 in defensive rating, 28th in second chance points allowed 25th in points in the paint allowed and 26th in fast break points allowed. On the bright side, we're fifth in blocks and tenth in steals, but I think that's because we play so many possessions on defense because of our turnovers. Yeah, (laughs) we're just able to accumulate more stats because of our turnovers and pace that we're playing at. Yeah, I think that's got to be the answer. Yeah, so you're not getting any help from anyone else on those pick and rolls, so that is kind of tough. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. I. I can't put this all on job because the team's defensive philosophy, especially with uh, JV in the game, seems to be for him to sag off and like back up towards the rim as the pick and yeah. roll man's coming at him, and like he's just getting shot over the top of. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. getting a wide open shot in the middle of the court. Yeah. Uh, so NBA players are going to make that all day. So we we can't put those numbers all on Jaw or on Jay, Dylan, and Grayson for that matter. Um, but our pick-and-roll defense is a freaking issue. Um, before I ask you who you think the best player uh, guarding the pick-and-roll is, I'll say that we are 29th in the league uh, in allowing points per play against the opposing ball handlers in the pick-and-roll. The only team worse than us is, take a guess, we played on this Orlando. Week. No, oh, the T-Wolves. Oh, the, the team that we put up 137 on, and yeah. Ja had a field day. So. Makes sense. Uh, 
Yeah. So who do you think on our team is the best defender on the ball handler in pick and roll situations? Hmm. He's one of our wing players. I guess I guess you would call him a wing. It's not that can't be Marco. Uh no. <laughs> Kyle. Yep, Kyle Anderson. Old trusty. Yeah, I was running out. I was like, that guy's bad. That guy's bad. <laughs> yeah. That guy's bad. Oh, Kyle's good at defense. I forgot. <laughs> Kyle's been a pleasant surprise, especially uh yeah. we didn't know with his shoulder injury. With it's like it was kind of weird that he just started playing and kept playing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't get the whole like, well, I may never be right again. And then he just he's coming out like shooting threes and I really enjoy him and Brandon playing together. They're just two like really smart guys that have seemed to really gel on the second unit. Yeah, yeah. P- part of Brandon's success probably is playing with someone like Kyle. Yeah. Um, and you, funny you mentioned that. I was talking to my brother yesterday before the game, and he he was mad about a uh, Jaws load management. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to him, you know, it's a it's a long season, bro. Blah blah blah. And I was like, but on the bright side, maybe Tyus Jones can get Jaron Jackson going because Tyus mm-hmm. would be starting in Jaws' spot. And I think that kind of happened throughout the course of the game. And remember in the offseason, we were looking at numbers from cleaning the glass, and Ja was like one of the best at getting the ball to uh, his bigs in scoring position. Like I think he he assisted more cat points, Carl Anthony Towns, last year on the T-Wolves than anyone else on the team. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. he played limited minutes. So – Something to keep an eye on. I, I did hear, I believe it was our buddy Mark King on the Locked on Grizz podcast. No, it was David Cobb on the Locked on Grizz podcast. Uh, maybe you bring Jaron off the bench to get him out of this funk, which I am 100% in disagreement with. Um, but playing with Tyus, with Tyus, yeah. It did help him, but maybe you just stagger those minutes. I, I can't send Jaron to the bench. No way. Yeah, I think that would probably just – yeah, especially it, seeing how his e- ego seems a little fragile, or maybe not his ego, but his mental state. Yeah, at at this point, it's not something that I don't think you need to do anything that drastic. I don't think that would be a proactive approach. To the, yeah, the, whatever situation we have is, <laughs> but that's good. I like the the notes on Tyus playing with him, and there's definitely ways to make that happen. Yeah, and I think part of it is uh, Tyus is groomed to be a good basketball player so he looks for players better than him in good yeah. positions to score <laughs> like and he's a good passer puts it yeah. on point most of the time um are there any changes to our current starting lineup that you would like to see mm. so we're, we're rolling out Ja, jay dylan jaron and jv I don't think I have any, but it's no, just a question not, to pose. Not really, because I, right now I like Clark and Kyle coming off the bench. Tyus, the only I could see if Melton like becomes really involved, maybe you could slot Tyus in there for Dylan occasionally, just yeah. kind of see what that two ball handler lineup would look like. Um, if Melton, you know, kind of comes into his own and can hold down that second unit. Um, that's pretty that I think that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, my uh mine is not a starting lineup, but a lineup I want to see I would like to see would be Jaron, uh Clark, mm-hmm. Kyle. I mean, that's that's gives you some length. Uh Ja at the one, and then at the two it could be Jay. 
Ridley, I don't care who's at the two. Right. <laughs> but I just kind of want to see those three together. Um, or maybe you even go Ja, Kyle, Bruno, Brandon, and Jaron. That that could be an interesting lineup. Yeah, I, I really want to see Bruno. He just doesn't when he's playing down low. He doesn't seem involved. Like it's he doesn't he's not aggressive enough down there. Uh, but when he's pushed out towards the wing, I feel like he's a better defender, and he can shoot over the top of people. And he's got a good looking shot. I'd like to see him do that more. But when he's playing that five, even though we play five out. It doesn't really look like it when he's out there. He never touches the ball on the yeah. perimeter. Yeah, and he de- when he does have to go into the block, like he can't score with his back to the basket. Yeah. Like, not at all. I don't know if I've ever seen him make a move and score. But uh, versus the Rockets, he kind of got into a little groove because the Rockets' biggest man was like P.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. So, so he got to play a lot more. Did he play against the Mavs much on Saturday? Uh, not a lot. Nothing noteworthy that Let stuck me out. No, not even ten minutes. Yeah, and I I don't think uh, at Minnesota or when we beat Minnesota, he got thirteen minutes. He was a plus nine, but I mean we beat Minnesota pretty good. They had he had five points, three rebounds, two assists, two blocks. Um, so he does bring something different to the table. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe he's just more one of those guys you play matchup based. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a use for him. The five may not really be that. Man, we ain't got nothing to lose this year, so we'll just yeah. see what see what we can get out of. <laughs> point guard, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He could be the third point guard. Oh, man, well, I think I'm all out of stats and notes from my sheet. You got anything else you want to hit on? No, nah, man, I feel like I learned a lot today. Thanks for bringing that to the table. <laughs> hey, that's uh, what I do, Professor Mason. <laughs> I didn't get the glasses, the full effect this time, but that's okay. Yeah, well, I had you waiting around long enough, and I appreciate you waiting on me uh, this evening as I was coming back from visiting family. Oh, man, you're good. Uh, All right, everyone, go subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network for this show. Um, I believe Sam is doing watching all the Star Wars movies and going to post podcasts on those if you're into that. And also the Theater and College Hoops guys have several shows every single week coming up so check that out rate us review us and we'll see you next time free james wiseman and josh jackson girls on the pole yelling make me rich girls on my shows want to take my pick yeah we can do this here all night can't tell me nothing can't tell me all in my zone all on my own open that pack rolling that strong and we still up in this won't turn down won't go home yeah i'm in my zone i'm feeling it stop blowing my buzz quit killing it so buy another round they tried to shut us down by the hour ago but we still in this